Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bitly and Murata Mornings, Social Studies. Brought to you by CarolHasTheFires.com. Carol Royce, your home sold guaranteed realty. Suns, the draft. A lot going on in uh, Arizona sports. And on our Twitter account, Bickley underscore Murata, here to take us through it for some social studies. Sarah Cazell. Hi, Sarah. Hello. 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 Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to social studies. <laughs> My brain is misfiring over here. I'm like, oh, it's time. It's time to do the segment now. <laughs> Welcome to social studies. <laughs> we are on Twitter at Bickley underscore Murata, at Bickley underscore Murata. Um, if you would like to consider following us, that'd be really great. Thank you. Let's start with the Suns on the playoffs, of course. Game one played Saturday, a double-digit loss for the Suns. We're asking for your biggest takeaways from that loss on Saturday. Uh, yeah, they were run out of the gym. Didn't expect to see that. Didn't expect to see a Suns team empty the bench with five minutes and nine seconds mm. left in a game. Not that it was a bad move. It was probably the right move to conserve yeah. some playing time. It's just not anything I expected to see. So um, the clap back from the Suns tonight, I think, is the the number one story going forward because that was that was embarrassing. And if this team has got the pride that I think they do, they will respond to that. Yeah, it was yeah. weird. The first time in six playoff games to see the game not in the balance one way or the other at the end of the game for the Suns mm-hmm. um, you know, or, or the opponent. They'd played a lot of close games in the Clippers series. Um, they didn't get an opportunity to rest starters positively or negatively in that series, so that was one of them. You know, the Suns I, I don't want to sit here and say they weren't ready to play. It just looked like they weren't ready to play. Um, yeah. And they, they, they got beat up by Denver was no question the better basketball team on Saturday. They left no yeah. doubt. And that's without Jokic having a great night. Yeah. So something to keep in mind moving forward. All right. Asking our listeners for their biggest takeaways from the game one loss on Saturday. Bullwinkle Durant says <laughs> Monty once again did not have the team ready for the series opener. So Vince, you just said. They looked like they weren't ready. That doesn't mean they weren't actually ready. Uh, but Bullwinkle Durant says they were not ready, and it's Monty's fault. Mob Phoenix says DA loves watching basketball being played around him. We've all seen that clip by now of uh, KD and Jokic yeah. tip drill, basically, uh, under the basket. And he's he's just admiring. He's just watching. I mean, those courtside seats are very expensive. Oh, I mean, enjoy them. (laughs) Someone bring the man a beer. My goodness. Uh, Right. J-Rod Cards. So you guys know that this is coming, but it's a lot of DA in in response to this first one. J-Rod Cards says DA looked like a five-year-old on a soccer field watching butterflies, looking at the sun, (laughs) twirling around. Get this man an orange slice and a juice box. Stat. I could use an orange slice as well. That sounds pretty good. That's funny. Sarah MC says DA's Tesla battery was not fully charged. He needs to step it up. I sense a theme with the responses you're reading, Yes. Let me move off of DA. How about that? It it sucks because... On the one hand, D.A. gets too much of the blame most of the time. Yes, but on the other the hand, he gives you quotes like the Tesla battery thing yes. that then come back to yes. bite him the yes. very exactly. next game. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, we're not exactly. trying to be unfair. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not having fun dumping on him. That's not well, the I'm deal. Not, I'm, and I'm not even suggesting his game one criticism is fair. It's just so widespread. Yes. Like, there's probably Suns fans blaming DA for their credit scores right now. I mean, he gets that much blame. Well, pay off your damn debt. Jeez. (laughs) 
I I would pay it off if DA would rebound uh, more. But, but I but listen, I I think the anger is completely justified, and it's just it's it's a symptom of of who he is as a basketball player and who he refuses to be, and the 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 drift. Some days it's there, some days it's not, mm-hmm. it, and it's not just us. I mean, it, it's right. there are people in that organization who are infuriated with him. Right. So I, I'm I'm not apologizing one moment, one bit, one word for for my anger towards him. Not one. And that's Dan Bickley for you. All right. Corpse Shasta says, Landry Shamit just needs more minutes, you guys. <laughs> if he can play 140 minutes a game, he could probably have like 30 points. <laughs> See, there you go. We move it off of DA onto Landry. How about that? Yeah, if it's not DA, it's Landry. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Point. M says the pressure is on Denver. They're going to have to perform like that, like they did in game one, every single game to win. That'll be hard to do for Denver. The Suns will win this game. And then take back home or take home court advantage. Denver was supposed to win game one. Okay, so Emma's looking up. And then Tad Jones says nobody was scared of playing the Nuggets until you get dominated like you do in game one. Use that loss like you did in the Clippers series and tighten everything up. All right, moving like on. That. Yes, moving on to our next question. Still sticking with the Suns, though. Of these four options, who had the most disappointing game one? DA, Chris Paul, the bench, or Monty Williams? Vinny? I think it's one of the first two choices. DA or Chris DA Paul? DA or Chris Paul. And Chris Paul experience right now is hoping for a good game. Yeah. And seeing if he can recapture... What he had, in, in, you know, in the past, it's not going to be an every game proposition with him. Um, I'll make it easy though. We'll, we'll, we'll vote DA, I guess. Well, yeah, uh, everyone else did. Or <laughs> most everyone. Ninety nine point nine percent. Not quite that high. Fifty eight percent for DA. Twenty five percent for Monty Williams. 14% for the bench, 3% for Chris Paul. Justin Prestigard says, perception is reality. And whether DeAndre likes it or not, what he shows on film continues to further a narrative that he is not the guy everyone thinks he should be at this point in his career. Nathaniel says, Monty, Chris Paul, the bench, maybe they weren't fantastic, but you know you got full effort from them. We've seen what full effort looks like from DA, and that was not it. I, I always specifically use words like disappointing. Yeah. Because at a certain point, you'd think Suns fans' expectations for was- DA would be a place where they wouldn't always vote him as the most disappointing. Yeah, maybe it's on us to expect more after five years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is what he is. Yeah. And that's all that he is. <laughs> Garsk. <laughs> Garsk. <laughs> That's before your time. Okay, I'm sorry. Popeye was his cartoon character. He was a sailor. No, but that... Oh, he really liked spaghetti, right? That was him? Spaghetti, yeah. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm the one who really likes spaghetti. Never mind. (laughs) Getting on to our final question quickly. uh, Looking at the Cardinals and their draft over the weekend, I think a lot of people were pleasantly surprised by how this draft went. The first for Monty Austin Ford as the Cardinals GM. Of these four options, guys, what was the biggest headline, the biggest story to come out of Monty Austin Fort's first draft. Uh, how he landed Paris Johnson Jr. with the sixth pick. Drafting a quarterback in the fifth round, Clayton Toon out of Houston. Getting high 2024 picks, uh, adding a first and a third for next year. Or the fact that he did not trade 
Buda Baker, nor DeAndre Hopkins. I'm voting C, that the idea that he's struck a trade with the Houston Texans for their number one pick, you could not have picked a better team to acquire a number one pick from. And and you to take a look at the projected win totals for, for teams this year, they're, they're right there with the Cardinals, neck and neck. Yes. Five and a half wins is their over-under. So mm. it, it wasn't just getting a first-round pick. It was where he got it from. So that's where I'm voting. Yeah, I think Bick is correct. I love the, I, you know, I like the Paris Johnson pick a lot and the, and the maneuvering, but what he was able to do for next year is the biggest headline. I'm curious. I haven't checked the results. I'm curious to see if anybody picked the quarterback in the fifth round. Uh, only 4%. That's still too high. <laughs> Fair enough. 59% said his acquisition of high picks for next year, the next year's draft, uh, was the biggest headline for Monty Austin Ford. 27% say the fact that he did not trade D-Hop nor Buda Baker. 10% went with Paris Johnson at the number six pick. And then 4%, like I said, biggest headline is that he took a quarterback in the fifth round. There you go. Thank you, Sarah. Yes, thank you, guys. Thanks to everybody who chimed in on social studies this morning. Epically underscore Murata on Twitter. Thank you for being a friend. Yeah. You traveled down the road and back again. <laughs> Thanks for being my internet friend. That'll be the 2023 version of that song. <laughs> thank you for being Twitter friends. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. You can cast your vote at the uh, FanDuel text line. It's open at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, we'll be joined by our son's insider, Kellen Olson, live from Denver. Here on Bickley Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Nuggets now. Game two of the Western Conference semis tonight at Ball Arena. Nuggets got off to a good start with an 18-point win in game one on Saturday. Here to talk Suns Nuggets with us from ArizonaSports.com, our Suns insider, also Empire of the Suns, the podcast. Kellen Olson joins us live from the Mile High City. Kellen, good morning. How are you, man? Morning, doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, let's start at the top and, and and recap a little bit from from Saturday. What was what was the most puzzling thing t- through your eyes about the Suns' performance in in Game One, Kellen? Oh, puzzling. Um, I would say just how in the areas where you can't lose a playoff game, they lost so dramatically. Just to give the Nuggets more or less a, a head start in the game with the amount of extra possessions and shots they were able to get up, thanks to turnovers and offensive rebounds and I think that we've seen that be a problem for the Suns in past postseasons as well so for them to not come out with like a sense of urgency in, in the little areas and not so much a sense of urgency but more so just execution and just consistent engagement in order to not get beat in those areas because you're just they're not at this point anymore in the postseason where it, they're, they're such a talented team, but Denver is just as good of a team as them. Like This series is a coin flip. I think pretty much everyone can agree on that. So for them to lose in the little areas like that in the first quarter and a half, that was probably the most uh, puzzling. Yeah, and it was pretty clear from from yesterday at practice, uh, of which we attended, that 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 the Nuggets have gotten the Suns' attention after Game One. Clearly, what, what do you think Monty Williams is going to do in terms of reaction versus overreaction? Uh, are there? Do, do you think there's rotational adjustments to make? Where do you think he goes, and what buttons do you think he pushes? Yeah, I think there needs to be a sense of desperation, but. Pretty much all the time with, under Monty Williams, what what we've seen is that he is going to 
not it, stick to his gun sounds like it, it's him being just like a, not arrogant necessarily, but just like being simple minded. But that's not what it is. He's just keeping faith in his guys and keeping faith in, in what has worked for them. But in this kind of series, I think that they need to adjust as soon as possible. And I think that the first one, I think, needs to be the implementation of campaign. I think that people want to see campaign out there the most because they don't want to see Landry Shamit playing anymore. It's really just turned into this negative headspace around his play. But what Cam's going to bring to the floor is dribble penetration and just ball movement. And they just did not have enough of... Point five possessions where someone's getting in the lane, kicking it out, and then the ball rotations are beginning. Like they didn't really make Denver's defense work that much outside of the initial action. So I think campaign would help them there a lot. The reason why they're not doing that is because they want the defense. But we saw how that defense went on Jamal Murray the other night. It didn't go that well. And, and I think they need to go small as well. Um, this team has never really been that great at having their centers in mismatch situations and finding them the ball consistently and having it work as a consistent cog of the offense. We've seen them try and do it now for two or three years, and they've just never been that good at it. That's what they were trying to do against Denver. I liked the little tweak that Monty made in the rotation of having DeAndre come out a little bit early so he could come in there against that second unit and they could run it through DeAndre in the first half, and it went okay. But they were still getting outscored in those possessions. And if you go to the three-point disparity, the lack of ball movement, things like that, if you go small, space out the floor, get more shooters out there, I think that's an easier way to fix that problem as well. So those are two rotational adjustments that I think should come right away in game two, but we'll see. And, and I'm not really sure that they will, but I do want to emphasize the point that if they if they don't make those rotational adjustments and they lose, it's not going to be the reason they lose the game. Like everyone is, we're going to talk a lot more about what happened in game one, what needs to come to game two. Mm-hmm. It really just does come down to those possessions and just the offensive rebounds and turnovers again. So they, they just need to clean up that simple stuff first and foremost. Kellen Olson, Arizona Sports, our guest here on Bickley Murata Mornings. I think your pain point is a good one. Uh, I would expect to see more of that. There was also an interesting stretch to begin the fourth quarter, Kellen, where the Nuggets went relatively small. They started Christian Brown, Murray, uh, Green, Gordon, and, and Bruce Brown, so not a true five. Monty countered with Jock Landale for three and a half minutes to start that, and it was a 13-point game to start the quarter, and it's not like they actually made up a point. They were down 12 when, when Durant returned for Landale. I just thought it was weird to have a big in there that you didn't need to, and maybe a small lineup might have ignited something in terms of the outside shooting, uh, three-point shooting, which, which was absent uh, for, for most of that game for the Suns. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that particular maneuver. Yeah, these parts of the discussion with this, this team are always strange because my first answer back is like, well, they don't play small bits. And your question back to me will be, why? <laughs> why do they not play small? And, and I don't have a great answer for you, to be honest. I think that it's something that they needed to try more of in the regular season and something that they needed to utilize a bit more. But they've always had a traditional big behind DeAndre. But there were always going to be moments in the postseason where they were going to need to utilize this. And you look at a team like Denver, for example, they tried backup bigs over and over again throughout the course of this regular season. They brought in DeAndre Jordan last offseason. They brought in Thomas Bryant at the trade deadline. They have a mm-hmm. former first-round pick in Zeke Nagy, who they've tried at the five. And then in that playoff series against Minnesota, they just went with Jeff Green at the five, and it worked out really well for them, and they're sticking with it. And the Suns knew coming in that Denver was going to run that, and that's why they ran that kind of lineup specifically, because they saw it as they are going to punish the mismatches and get the ball inside. But again, that's just not the best offense for them right now, especially with what they're lacking and what they've been lacking. I mean, this whole trend with the three-point shooting, they only took five threes in the first half, but their season high, or their postseason high for first-half threes is 12. And, and you guys were watching that Heat-Mix probably game like me, and they're like, 
these teams have already taken like three times as many threes as the Suns did in like the entire game, and we're in the third quarter already. Like it was, it was just crazy to see a, a different team shooting that many threes. And it, it, they really do need to get back to that. And it's not about them going out there and saying we are going to shoot three pointers now. It's about how they can stylistically move their team around a bit in order to make it easier to get those shots up. And I think those are ways to do it. But I agree, with, especially with what Denver who Denver plays and like the kind of lineup you're mentioning events like it's Bruce Brown and Christian Brown running the offense. Like mm-hmm. they, they, there wasn't really a huge threat out there for you to be worried defensively. So I, to protect the rib and things like that. So I, I was a bit baffled by it. All right. Coming into this series, Devin Booker was arguably, and maybe there wasn't much argument to be made. It, 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 the best player in the playoffs and, and game one against the Nuggets, it looked like he was back into foul hunting mode. It looked like the ball got a little sticky with him. What was your observation of Book in game one and, and, and how much better do you expect him to be this evening? Uh, I thought that he was pretty good. I think that what kind of got lost is uh, for whatever reason with what Denver was running and what and how they were guarding him and how they were guarding that pick and roll, they weren't ready for anything beyond the short roll. And that's where I think Devin had eight assists in that game and he was able to set up DeAndre a lot uh, in, in that pocket. And that's how they wanted to beat that defense specifically. But I thought outside of that, when he was attacking the basket, he was pretty good. But we saw it in that fourth quarter where he started going downhill every single possession again, getting to the rim, drawing fouls, not drawing fouls, but he was finishing at the rim regardless. And they weren't making up the, the deficit at all. And that's going to be the big change in the series is that last series he was able to turn it on and get into that mode where it looked like he's the best player in the playoffs and the Suns were able to emphatically run away with games. That's not really going to happen in this series unless we see something – like game three, like we're or game two, where we're really not going to see that kind of level of um, the pull away, if you want to put it that way, just uh, how they're able to distance themselves from a team when he goes off like that, because Denver is just too good, especially in this kind of environment on the road as well. So I thought they was pretty good. He could be better. I think everyone on the team could be better. I thought Durant was fantastic, but the seven turnovers, like that can't happen either. So everyone's got points of improvement. Kellen, great stuff as always. Appreciate it. Want to point you to uh, Kellen's very, very thorough Game 2 preview, which you could track down right now on ArizonaSports.com. He's covering the series for us in Denver. Kellen, thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. Yep, thanks. Kellen Olson joining us on the Arizona Sports Line, live from Denver, site of Game 2 tonight. Coming up next, it's the Monday edition. we got to hand out some weekend hardware. We'll do it straight ahead. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Time to take a look at the Arizona Sports Poll Question. Brought to you by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. All right. Welcome back to the show. We are Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And every day at this time, we go to our trusty website, ArizonaSports.com, for our poll question, which, no surprise, is about the Suns Nuggets series. Dan Vince, what do the Suns most need to fix in Game 2 against the Nuggets? One, two, three, four, five options to vote on. They need to fix their defense. They need to find better bench contributions. They need to limit turnovers. They need to be better on the defensive glass or other. Ooh, of those choices, I would choose uh, A, 
Was defense also See. encompasses defensive rebounding? I think mm-hmm. you can tie those together. Uh, but you know, their transition defense, especially, was non-existent in Game One. So yeah. that, that's where it starts for me. Vic, yes, you agree? I agree with that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it looks like our listeners, our voters, are, are right there as well. Thirty-one percent say defensive rebounding needs to be the focus for Game Two, but thirty percent say defense. So right there, neck and neck. Eighteen percent say finding bench contributions. Eighteen. Percent say limiting turnovers. Only two percent say other. I know we got to get to hardware, but I, the finding bench contributions thing to me is is interesting. Where are you going to find them yeah. at this point? It's it, like there's there's a faction of this fan base that thinks that like Monty Williams is just sitting on this this treasure trove of bench players that he can go to and can come in and score twenty points. Yeah, they, nice. These guys that's are not on right. this team right now. Where I'm are with they? you. Yeah. I'm with Funny. you. The, the 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 this campaign deal though is, is that very, is interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Very, very yeah. interesting. But I agree with Vinny. There's I, a, yeah. I do think that is it. They want campaign instead of sham. And they think that that change will be a big difference. That's what I've gathered from and the fans. ideally, if it goes well tonight and, and they do go that route, campaign's going to play about 12 minutes. So can you make that big of a, of a contribution in 12 minutes? That puts pressure on him. I, I'm all for it. But, I mean... To rely on the bench to put up a lot of points is just not happening now. Thank you, Sarah. That's uh, today's Sanderson Thank Ford you. poll question. You can vote on it on the homepage at ArizonaSports.com. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. and Marana Mornings. Handing out the hardware. Hardware is our version of the award show. We do it on Mondays, and it's brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize. Proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. All the way from Denver, Colorado. Start us off, Vic. Vinny, the circle the date when it becomes available award. I'm given to the Arizona Cardinals who play in Philadelphia this year. And after the report in the Philadelphia Inquirer claiming the Eagles were still furious at Jonathan Gannon and the Cardinals for illegally tampering, I'm going to be real curious to see what that football game looks, feels, and sounds like. That's my first award. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, my first award is the didn't people die in that historical example award, and I'm giving it to Boston Bruins uh, announcer Jack Edwards, who I guess outside of Boston, he used to be on ESPN, he is not well liked outside of Boston, and he's kind of controversial in his style as a hockey broadcaster, but here was the final call of the Bruins losing in Game 7 to Florida, choking away a 3-1 lead after a record-setting regular season. Verhage wins the series for Florida, and this joyride ends in an Hindenburg-like ending. The Bruins are the second record-setting team in a row to drop the series in the first round. So much to chew on there. The Hindenburg reference... And I don't know. There's a little bit of slurring going on. Oh, jeez. A lot of people pointed that out on Twitter, too. I'm just saying, not a great final call by Jack Edwards. No, I agree with you. That was uh, that was poorly done. We can get more creative than than that. Yes, I think. Could even pick perhaps a disaster from the last one hundred years. <laughs> well, know. that's rich coming from you, Jared. <laughs> that's right. That's you true. love hundred year old references. Yeah, that's true. Uh, my first award is the No Regret Award, and it goes to Dingus. Bro- I mean, Dylan Brooks, <laughs> who, as we uh, pointed out earlier, was trash talking LeBron James early in the series. Called him old. Said he didn't respect him. Uh, LeBron then turned up the heat. The Lakers 
dominated Memphis, embarrassed them in their final game. And after both losses, Dylan Brooks did not speak to the media. In fact, ducking out of the locker room before they got there. And then he finally spoke to them yesterday and said, did not regret anything. No, that's who I am. I don't regret it. I'm a competitor. I compete. It must be very frustrating to have to root for him if he's on your favorite team. Yeah, he is a free agent, though, by the way. We'll see what happens. Unrestricted. Wow. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, right. no thank you. That, I, I I'm right there with you. No, yeah, I'll take Draymond Green, but no thank you on Dylan Brooks. <laughs> I would, he had some value. I would take Patrick Beverly over Dylan Brooks. What? Whoa. You, you heard it here first, yes. Do you mean that? Yes, because I think at least Patrick Beverly's teammates love him. I don't think the same can be said for Dylan Brooks. I think okay. there's a lot of eye-rolling going on in Memphis. I hear that. I hear that. All right. This is the It's Okay, We All Want to Be Ryan Reynolds Award. It goes to J.J. Watt. (laughs) He announced on social media this morning in the last hour or so that he's kind of coming out of retirement, but, but not for the American football, for the other football. He and his wife, Kalia, are investing in the English soccer club Burnley FC, which is part of the second tier of the English soccer landscape. And here's a quick clip of their announcement. This is J.J. Watt and Kalia. Anyways, I'm officially retiring from retirement. Thankfully. I just love football. No, no, not that kind. You see, over in these islands here, they play football with their feet, like her. We are going to invest in European football. So you want to be Ryan Reynolds? No. Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Yes, please. And then there's a little like, ding, winky face. Congrats to the Watts. Sounds awesome. Their their semi-charmed lives become fully charmed lives. Yes. Tremendous. The Nice Try Award goes to the Denver Nuggets Game Ops Department, Vinny. Before Game 1, a bunch of people were carrying huge signs that said, Altitude warning, low oxygen, as if that was going to get in the Suns' heads. Uh, For all the Suns' problems that they had, I think they were quite aware of the altitude issue in Denver. So uh, I thought that was a little bit silly. (laughs) Hey, you can't uh, can't fault them for trying, though. I kind of like it. Uh, My uh, last... Last award is the unfair labeling award, and I'm giving it to the ESPN Radio NFL draft crew. I was driving around on Saturday, and I was listening to coverage of the draft, and they were having a discussion. It was Chris Carlin, Jordan Reed, and Mike Tannenbaum, and somebody else. But they were talking about Will Levis, and Will Levis got just raked over the coals by a lot of people in this process, and he lasted until the second round. And in fact, uh, you know, Tennessee moved up in a trade with the Cardinals to get him at 33. So they got their quarterback. And, and we all talked about it on Friday, his, his stay in the uh, in the green room. But he got criticized for a lot of things. But they were criticizing him, and I thought this was totally unfair. He started his career at Penn State, did not beat out Sean Clifford for the job, so he decided to transfer. He went to Kentucky and became a hot prospect because Sean Clifford went way later in the draft. And they were marking him off like I, 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 for, for transferring and finding a better opportunity for himself completely eliminating the possibility that maybe the coaches didn't like him. It was it was very strange. The guy almost was a first-round draft pick. I would say that transfer worked out well, but they were suggesting he should have stayed at Penn State and made it work there. Who does that in this day and age? Nobody. I thought it was unfair. That is unfair. Yeah. 
Uh, my last award, quickly, is the Better Half Award goes to my wife, Karen. It is today. This is not is an her award, birthday. Jared, I have but to, happy birthday, Karen. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. She, she turns age redacted yes. today. And uh, just happy birthday to you. You're the best. You're so fun. We love you. Okay, this is the Checks Over Children Award. Checks Over Children. It goes to the father of Clay Thompson, Michael Thompson, also famous. You know, Hooper. Um, now that the Warriors and the Lakers are playing each other in the second round starting tomorrow, oh, there's going right. to be a house-divided situation. I didn't know that Michael Thompson is currently working as a radio analyst for the Lakers. Oh, yeah. I was unaware of that. As for years. So, former Laker player. I guess I, I, don't, I didn't know about their radio setup. I, di- I know that he played for the Lakers, but I know he, he worked for them still. So a reporter asked Clay, who's your dad going to root for in this upcoming series? He goes, I don't know if I had to guess, probably his employer. I've got so many great memories growing up watching him with the Lakers, watching Kobe, Shaq, Powell, the rest of the gang. So I'm really excited to try to stick it to the team that I grew up rooting for. That'll be a fun little nugget. But yeah. uh was anybody wondering who Clay Thompson's going to root for, his own team or his dad's team? I mean, he obviously loves his dad. So silly. I like, though, that he says if, if you had to guess, his employer is who he would root for. Always root for Don't your employer. Don't cut off that money. Yes. That's Hardware brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Some final thoughts. Heading into Game 2 on this Monday next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Auction Community Studios on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Weekly and Murata. Song of the Day. If you've been a listener of Arizona Sports for any time, you're probably thinking about this song being the basis of the promo. Phoenix, Chandler, Glendale, Eastside. I'm pretty sure it also used to be the outro song for uh, Dave Byrne's previous iteration of his afternoon show. Wow, that's going way back. That's going way back. Yeah. I've been here a long time. Yeah, you have. Fortunately. (laughs) Almost said unfortunately, but fortunately for sure. Always take care of the employer, Jarrett. And uh, this is a Red Hot Chili Peppers, Danny California. I want to remind you, Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Heading to State Farm Stadium with special guest The Strokes on May 14th. You can win a pair of tickets now by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. For my money, Bick, this is one of their top songs. I've always loved yeah, this I agree. song. Yeah, I agree with that. There's a lot of hit and miss for me with the uh, with the Peppers. Yeah, I'm just glad they finally wrote a song about California. Uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, the Chili Peppers, today's song of the day. Bickley and Murata going off the grid. Off the grid. Brought to you by Sweet James Accident Attorneys. If you've been hurt in an accident, call Sweet James at 800-500-5200 or sweetjames.com. I mean, first of all, you can sit here and make excuses about what we didn't do. They they beat us. And that's something that you have to address right away. Like, they did some things that um, took us out of certain coverages, took us out of certain plays. Um, so you have to respect that. And that forces you to go back to the lab and, and um, make some adjustments to some things. 
Back to the lab. Monty Williams, the uh, head coach of the Suns at practice yesterday, tipping his cap to Denver and uh, reminding us all about how good the Nuggets are, and they certainly were the better team on uh, Saturday night in taking that game one lead. Uh, that we, we touched on it. We touched on it with Kellen. It kind of came up right before we did hardware uh, after the poll question, Vic, but let's focus on the Cameron Payne question. Um, there's a lot of fans that want to see more Cameron Payne, maybe because they haven't seen him, maybe because he's not Landry Shamit. It might be just that simple. Cameron Payne was back uh, in uniform for Game 5 against the Clippers. He only saw three minutes of action. He only saw 5.09 of action on Saturday, and that was after Monty Williams, very uncharacteristically, by the way, and I'm not saying it was a mistake either, but he, he cleared the bench with 5.09 left to play. But what that enabled Cameron Payne specifically to do was get his feet wet in playoff competition because when they broke that out of the timeout, the Suns' reserves with Payne was competing against the, the Nuggets starters. They stayed in for a couple more minutes. In those five minutes, he had five points, three rebounds, and, a, and an assist. I wonder if that was enough to eliminate the pause Monty Williams had in playing Cameron Payne in higher leverage situations. Yeah. Because that is, that is something I would like to see tonight. And, and again, I don't know why that pause even existed If if yeah, because if he really is truly healthy, then I, I don't understand why it was garbage time only for him uh, in game one because he has been occasionally terrific in big spots in big games and, and it's pretty clear to anybody that the, the Suns do have, uh, you know, problem might be the wrong word, but they've got they've got a Chris Paul issue that I think you summarized perfectly. We're at the spot of his career where you're just hoping for a good game from him. Yeah. And, and you're hoping that the, that the that the liability doesn't outweigh the benefits. So, listen, I'm right there with you on that. And, and I, I would really... Um, I would really think that at least in terms of, of public perception, if Monty Williams goes back to Landry Shamit as the first guy off the bench, man, is it going to get loud on Planet Orange? Yeah, and the other adjustment that Monty made prior to Game 1 was Josh Okogie back in the starting lineup, and the reasons were obvious. They wanted Okogie's defense on Jamal Murray, but where I get frustrated with situations like that, Bick, and this is just the current NBA, is if you're going to start a possession with Josh Okogie on Jamal Murray, the Nuggets are going to manipulate it so he gets a better matchup if, if you're concerned about it. Because they're going to switch on everything. So, I mean, the good offensive teams are going to dictate who's guarding their best players. Josh Okoge was, eh, in game one. Uh, Torrey Craig off the bench played a lot more than Josh Okoge did. He was kind of, eh. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know what to make of that that particular yeah. maneuver going in because it, it certainly the game did not come down to that. No. Although Jamal Murray was incredible, uh, this is more on on the big four for the Suns to get better in this game. But I, I thought that was a bit curious as well. Yeah, yeah. Listen, and, and I'm curious what they're going to do if if Jamal Murray starts cooking again. I, I can't get those uh, stats that Zach By dropped on us uh, about Jamal Murray. The fact that in the regular season basketball, one out of a hundred times he'll score over forty in the playoffs. <laughs> It's one of seven. <laughs> That's just a ridiculous. It is a ridiculous split. And yes, you know. And I brought up uh, in that interview too. Eighteen and three, Jamal Murray in, in twenty-one games lifetime against the Suns. That's what the Nuggets' record is when he plays. Here's another layer of that in game in those games where Devin Booker plays for the Suns. Jamal Murray is fifteen and one. So the whole point about. 
taking it personally against other Kentucky grads, whether that's Tyler Hero or you know De'Aaron Fox or or Devin Booker, Jamal Murray takes that to heart, and he looks like a different player. I mean, you look at the numbers; we know he's a good player. He averaged twenty points per game this year, but right. man, he just he was a killer. Oh, on Saturday was. night, yes, he was. Yeah, the confidence he played with, and and yeah, but it, but again, I think that um, there's a great opportunity here for the Suns to maybe catch a team that's 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 feeling themselves a little bit and and again you win tonight's game the, the narrative you won't find a narrative flip more dra- dramatically than a road team that comes back from a game one blowout to steal game two yes. and that opportunity is right there for the sun and you'll see the flip and the overreaction as well i mean you know after a game one where nothing really went right for the suns they did not play a good basketball game a lot of people nationally are oh this is over if they win game two the narrative completely changes it, it, it's just the overreaction of, of the playoffs. I wanted to, to tap into this too, and, and you've kind of touched on it, but but being there, and you were in the arena two years ago for the Suns' domination of the uh, of the Nuggets and, and that four game sweep. You know, the stakes are a little bit different. The Nuggets are our number one seed for the first time. There's expectation on this team. They're fully healthy for the first time in a while. Did you notice a big change in the, the in-arena atmosphere, and how does it stack up against Footprint Center? Well, well, yeah, listen, I, I, can, I, can, I can address the latter part very, very easily. Um, the, the attendance was over 19,000. It was a sellout. The, the arena is a little bit on the cavernous side, not gigantic, but a little bit on the cavernous side, and it just doesn't get loud in the building. It really doesn't. Really? So, yeah. And, and there was also a, uh, uh, I, I don't know if healthy is the right word. There was a good amount of Suns fans in the building who made the trip. Um, but but I think compared to Footprint Center, it's not even in the same realm. And, you know, there were a couple of moments, um, particularly after that 6-3 pointer from Jamal Murray when, when he was the one riling up the crowd. But but I just, it's not the same. It's not the same passion. Um, it's not the same intensity. It's not the same decibel level. And so uh, all those things considered, I think the home court advantage um, it, it, when you stack them up, it's the Suns in a blowout. That's interesting. It is, yeah. Did, was there? I, I don't know if this came about. I don't even know if you know the answer to this question. Was there a Suns and Four guy sighting at all? I did not see one. I no, didn't I see did any on social him. media yeah. either. Mr. Orange was there. The, the usual suspects were there. Mr. Orange is always around. He's man. everywhere. Yep. That's he's a diehard. <laughs> And he was doing that before the Suns were in the playoffs, too. That's why I tip my cap to Mr. Orange. Uh, all right, Vic. And, uh, in, enjoy uh, game two tonight. We'll get the full reaction tomorrow morning, hopefully talking about a tied-up series coming back to Phoenix. That is going to do it for us on this Monday. Thanks to uh, Zach By, Kellen Olson for joining us. Thanks to you for hanging out. Like I said, we'll be back to uh, recap game two tomorrow morning, bright and early at 6. And more preview coming up with Wolf and Luke here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Have a great Great day, everybody.